Hi guys, welcome to Beer Bubbles, the bubbliest podcast in the world. I'm CC and I'm here with Rasmus, but Hello. we have a special guest today, all the way down from Helsingborg in Skåne, Marcus Jalmarsson, the man, the myth from Brewski. So nice to have you in the podcast. Thank you for having me. <laughs> Thank you for being here. Thank you. <laughs> so what takes you to Stockholm now? Uh, I'm actually on my way to Japan, to Tokyo, to uh, the MBCT festival. Mm. Nowadays, it's cheaper for us to fly through uh, uh, Stockholm to uh, Japan instead of Copenhagen. So I saw a chance to stay a couple of days in, in Stockholm and you know, m- meet our new distributor, uh, mm. Brill, and meet some friends and have a good time before taking off to Tokyo. And we're at Stigbergs Foot on Götgatan here in Stockholm. Uh, yes. And you got a kind of a tap takeover thingy going on as well. Yeah. yeah. We're meeting uh, all the customers today, and uh, at the same time, we're hosted by um, by Yuan that owns uh, uh, Stay by it. So oh. it's great. It's great. It's a beautiful venue, a great place to be in. Uh, what do we have in our glasses? You've got to tell us about this because yes. we talked a bit earlier about what you started doing during the pandemic because you had yeah. no time. Yeah, it's uh, we actually saw since since our exports or our production in general went down completely, we decided to start um, uh, f- focusing on the lager styles, and mm. because suddenly we had a lot of ta- tank space, a lot of time. So uh, yeah, so t- what we're trying to drink here now <laughs> is uh, is a um, uh, oaked um, pilsner. So it's. Um, a pilsner with sauce, and then we uh, we um, had a um, oak in it. Mm. Uh, well, yeah. cheers. cheers, cheers, I mean, and Bruski has been around for quite a long time as well, right? We're celebrating ten years next year. Ten years, yeah. yes. And in the beginning, you focused a lot on was it kettle sours and IPAs was mostly yeah. the. Yeah. First of all, we uh, I, I I didn't invent it, but I I tried to develop um, actually fruit in ales. Uh, that was my first step, and the second step was sours. Mm. But, and it was mainly because we were invited to the U.S. and I by the time I didn't think that we had good enough ales for the American market. So then I tried to form or I tried to create another style. That w- that could maybe like lure the consumers in the U.S. Yeah. and it was sour. Okay. So I I presented my first sour beers in uh, in the U.S. actually, hmm. and it was uh, a sour a kettle sour with uh, passion fruit and uh, beetroot. Beetroot. <laughs> and the second one was actually uh, <coughs> it was uh, d- just a stash, and then we added some cold brew coffee. Mm. From Kopi, uh, Katwaka, uh, African bean. Mm. So, and then we took off from there. Nice. So it's been a roller coaster. Yes, uh, definitely. Uh, last year you had to lay off some people. Yep, uh, unfortunately. But do you think it it's like the backlash of the pandemic and the war in Ukraine that that did this to because uh, this. Quite a few, quite big breweries that actually has went belly up yeah. just the last year. Yeah. No, I think I think uh, a good, uh, like a good global economy, that the economy situation is good. I think it's an incitement uh, uh, for for uh, our uh, for microbreweries. Mm. When uh, when there's money, there's room. 
when when there's not there's not well <laughs> then yeah. it's a struggle <coughs> it is and in the swedish crown is not the best right now either so no it's <laughs> i had the pleasure to be at the brew school last year and that was the first one after the pandemic uh, mm. how long have you been doing brew school for uh since 2016 uh, then we had to of, t- of course cancel for two mm. years 20 2020 2021 yeah so now we had uh, so yeah we la- last year was our the fifth festival and this was the sixth mm. festival 120 breweries this this uh, year 114 14 still mm. mental yeah. Yeah. 14 <laughs> 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 not 114 yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> not 14 but but it was it was, it was a bit uh, too many breweries so until next year uh, we're going to scale it down to maybe I'm actually thinking about between 15 and 75 breweries. Mm. So you heard it, heard it here first. There's going to be a brewery school next yes. year. It's yes. Gonna be a yeah. school. The last yes. one. <laughs> yes. The last we'll one. See, yeah, we'll see. The you thing is that it's yeah, going to be the yeah, last but, one. Uh, but, but now it's mm. like we, we, we had to let five guys go from the brewery. It's, it's like 30, 35% of the whole uh, production team or the whole team. And like... Planning and running a festival—it's mm. insane to um, to do it with uh, to, to make it happen with such uh, a few guys around. You know, we had we had one general before. She she was more or less focusing on the festival the whole year. Mm. It's impossible to, for any of us to do that now. Mm. So the, this is so I, we're just trying. It's just realistic to not. Mm. continue <coughs> it's unrealistic to continue so we continue we will do it one more year and then i think we're gonna do something similar but in a d- different shape okay. you know yeah. somebody else ha- has <laughs> to do the <laughs> shit now you know somebody ask some, yeah, some of the brewers to help out <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> but you know it's like we have a lot of great breweries they have great eco- they still have a great uh you know great sales and everything maybe it's time for them to Help you guys yeah. out a bit, yeah, <laughs> or or at least <laughs> form a festival. You know, yeah, it's not unique. To maybe do it together with all all the breweries in the area. That would maybe be something because mm. you, you have quite a lot of n- nice breweries down yeah. in your area. Yeah, a, a, a few at least. Yeah. Too yeah. many chefs can also be a problem. Oh like yeah, mm. that's true. I don't <laughs> know what to say, <laughs> but I think I think I think it's um, like we have we have uh, we have MBCC. It's a great festival in our area. It's once every year, and it's it's amazing. And and they these guys they have muscles. They know how to do it. They've been doing it for like twelve, thirteen, yeah. fourteen years. I remember when I was uh, there the first time, and it's over a decade ago. But it's not even close to being as nice as your festival. Yeah, but <laughs> no, yeah, but I you know I I I consider MBCC as the best festival in the world. Maybe we're among the top. 20 Two. of the year Two. Uh, of the uh, in the world or t- th- 40 or something well, but to, to me I, I must yeah. say to me that is humble and nice but not true because to me uh, I've been to quite a few festivals mm. and Great American and Bruskeval mm. they are the best I, yeah. I haven't been to Italy Thank you very much. and I've heard a bit about the Italian mm. festivals as well yeah, but yeah. But we'll make sure we'll be there for the last year to oh celebrate. Yeah, we'll the the yeah, yeah. Actually, one—that's all. It's also mm. one of the best festivals in in Europe, or actually in the world. It's it's actually Eurohop in Rome. It's yeah. it's crazy mm. and it's amazing. But it doesn't have the brewers' karaoke. Nope. <laughs> Next year you have to sing. You have yeah, to come yeah, down yeah, there, yeah, have a beer, yeah. and sing a song. 
If I have the, if I have the time, I promise. Make sure you go, go up there. before CC does. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Nobody <laughs> wants to go up after him. Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, what's the future for Bruski now? How are you planning ahead? We're actually um, we're, we're just trying to build a new a new platform. It's a new world for us. It's mm. we lost pretty much all of our our export. Now we're trying to regain and and start to build a new platform on the export side. In Sweden, we're actually t- taking our first steps out against the bars and like an active move against bars and restaurants uh, through Brill, Stockholm. Yeah, because I think we talked about that the first time I was down at Bruskeval. We talked about uh, the Danish market and Europe being so much closer to you yeah, yeah. than Stockholm actually mm-hmm. was. Because mm. Stockholm was one way mm. uh, and one market, but... Mm through Copenhagen or Denmark you got the entire European market so it was so much it was like a no brainer for you guys to mm. move that way instead of Stockholm but yeah but you know I mean, you know we the, the actually the the environment when I started brewing was like you had these old pioneers in Sweden beer pioneers and I was the new guy bringing new stuff to the to the table and and it was not super appreciated by actually by many they thought that, that it was a joke and i couldn't like brew the original the standard the old styles and and for me it was more like a, it was a move that bruski needed by the time uh, because in going on a, on export it was something new for we were actually one of the first first breweries being exported in Europe in a very, very long time. And it's really hard to export a lager to Germany, for so to speak. Yeah, yeah. exactly. <laughs> <laughs> wonder why. So, um, no, so, so it's, it, it was a natural move to actually focus on the export market because this country, Sweden, has a lot of uh, knowledge when it comes to beer. And this was s- something completely new. And I found an easier way, I believe, exporting my beers. So it was kind of a business move to find a niche that was yours exactly. instead of yeah. someone else's. And then actually spread out the volumes. So uh, what's your favorite beer from the brewery right now? Is uh, it the one we're drinking? Or yeah, or? it's one of them. Of course, it's like we have a lager project nowadays. Mm. And it, it's pretty much the only thing. I'm drinking myself. I love <laughs> the dryness of it. It's yeah, really, yeah. really dry. I, I, I expected to get a Pilsner curl when I got the glass. <laughs> and I taste it. I'm like, this is not Pilsner curl. <laughs> <laughs> no, this it's is more really nice. like northern German style with yep. like really dry. Brings uh, you back. Nice beer. I, Thank I think you. I'll have another one afterwards because this <laughs> is this is just up my alley. It, and as I said to loads of people, once every thirty years, I'm trendy when it comes to beers because uh, I drink like milds. Yeah. Classic mm-hmm. British mm-hmm. ales and lagers. Mm-hmm. I, I do try everything else, and I mm-hmm. do appreciate everything else. But when I'm just going to have a beer, this is kind of my go-to. Of course, yeah. <laughs> yeah, you don't want to drink like ten kettle sours in a row. That's <laughs> it's <laughs> impossible. <laughs> well, it's possible, but your stomach's yeah. going to feel that yeah. afterwards. <laughs> All uh, that sourness. That's the f- my first uh, experience of uh, Mickler beer celebration that they had uh, having Copenhagen. I flew in from uh, the US. Landed in Stockholm, had a guy who came and picked up our bags with new bags, so we flew straight to Copenhagen, straight down to the festival, uh, and it was like the last half hour of the first day. Mm. And the entire mess hall smelled like beer farts, because <laughs> yeah. everyone's been drinking sour <laughs> beers all day and walking around <laughs> farting. 
what a great smell. <laughs> <laughs> no, we, we we were there for about half an hour, and then we came back early the next day. Yeah. We went to Fermentor and had, oh, had a nice. few beers. Since then. It's a beautiful bar. <laughs> mm. One of my absolute favorites in Copenhagen. <laughs> You're here in Stockholm for how many days now? Uh, I'm taking off tomorrow. You're leaving tomorrow? <gasps> yeah. In the morning, yeah. Japan. Yes. Is that the new biggest market when it comes to in innovative beers? Or I believe so. I believe it's like... Um, I think uh, uh, Japan is the trendy country uh, in the East and uh, in Asia everybody looks at what the Japanese are doing and mm. so on. They're like super trendy. They're like super into beer. It's an old beer nation. Uh, they have like the old German traditions but also very curious uh, mm. consumers. And, and so for us it was a, a match made in heaven because they, they like when my importer came to me in Sweden and said, like, we want your beers in Japan, we want you to develop, like, something super Swedish. And we we figured out that if we make, like, uh, a series of uh, fika, like, with uh, pies and buns and stuff, and we make it in a liquid form of it. <laughs> and then uh, perhaps it, it will work out. And now... Uh, Outside the Nord Nordic region, mm -hmm. it's the biggest uh, export country we have. With the triple berry pie and the yes, and yes. The pineapple uh, pie. Yeah. We started with a p like pie series with uh, four or five different uh, pie mm. beers. And, and you did them in 3.5s as well, because I remember down in, in Gamlastan when we yeah. were allowed to open again after we closed, yep. if we didn't sell strong alcohol, mm. uh, we had a few nights where we sold... 3.5s, yep. and it went like crazy. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. When we were into Japan, you, you had two Japanese breweries at Bruce Gold. Four. Four. Because mm. we spoke to Mino Beer, the, mm. the first microbrewery in Japan, yes. according to them. Yes. It was one of the weirdest interviews I've ever made because their English is sketchy in... <laughs> <laughs> But but it, they had some fantastic beers. Yes, they're like uh, you can compare them with the Opigols. Like they're they've been in on the scene over there forever. Like in the since the uh, early nineties, I believe. Hmm. Uh, it's uh, three t sisters uh, actually took over, or uh, their father he he uh, decided to open a brewery, and shortly after he passed away, and hmm. and they took over the the brewery, and they. I think they're an amazing uh, brewery and make such amazing beers. And really nice people as well. The, yeah, the little I understood of what they said. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but they were there this year. They were there this yes, year. Yes. I, I missed mm -hmm. them. And I met them first time in 2019. And mm -hmm. like we, we, we got along super well. And we, all, we actually made a collaboration last time I was there. And oh, nice. Spent time in... Uh, they're uh, located outside uh, Osaka in a... Suburb called Mino, and it's a beautiful place, beautiful brewery, and they are like so uh, amazing people. J Japanese people are like super amazing. Mm. Japan is an amazing country. You have to go there. You have to, you have to see it to mm. understand it. I, it's I, amazing. I must say, it, uh, I found it weird though because I tried to read up on on the brewery a bit before the interview. No homepage, a Facebook page that was like. It's the beer bar, not the brewery. Mm -hmm. The Instagram page, not that big either. Mm -hmm. But when I spoke to everyone who's ever tried any Japanese micros, they're like, 
this is the shit. Yeah. This is, this yeah. is the wood. <laughs> yeah. So that, I found that really weird <laughs> that they don't market anything outside they don't have the brewery. To. They don't have to. They make excellent beer. The whole Japan, they are known all over as being the best beer makers. Now, recently, it popped up a lot of breweries just the past couple of years. I remember when I, I went there the first time, you maybe had a handful of good breweries in Japan by the time, and it's only four or five years ago. Nowadays, you have like uh, a pile of uh, breweries popping up from nowhere, making amazing beers. Like Uchu, you had a, this is a super new brewery, crazy people behind it, and they're making amazing beers. One of the best IPAs I had last year was from this uh, this brewery. So so I think they're like the, like uh, uh, Mino they are both pioneers but they're also like nowadays since they started to like because you have to realize they are a brewery in a big metropolitan area with 20 million people living there. So in when they started I think they were not making enough beer for their their community you know <laughs> so they never came out but since they when they decided i believe to go to tokyo and go to other cities mm-hmm. then they started actually a beer like a, uh, they, they made a mark yeah and they yeah. they started to influence the the you know the home brewers to like try to make better beers how much volume did they make uh, they make a lot, I believe. A couple yeah. of million liters a year. Sounds Maybe like as a lot. I think it's the same size. They are in the same size as Opigors, I okay. believe, in volume. Mm. But that's quite, that's very big for a microbrewery. <laughs> yeah. Well, number yeah, in, in Sweden yeah. it is. Yeah, in Sweden. But if yeah. you've got 20 mil- million people living next door to you, yeah, you yeah, it's, yeah, yeah, it's, yeah, it's nothing. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's a quarter of a pint per person. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, I, I mean, but they are of great influence on the, the whole uh, Japanese mm. brewing. Uh, environment you know they're like they have a big part in the the past year's uh, boom over there i've got to ask you mickler's got a beer bar in in tokyo now omnipoyo's got a beer bar yep are you gonna open a beer bar in japan i don't know it's I a dream you should see I his d- smile yeah. you yeah. should <laughs> see his smile right now he's been <laughs> thinking about it he's been yeah. thinking about it <laughs> we might go there one day we'll see mm. if we go if we survive this uh, disaster we're going through now, then everything is possible. You know. But do you think uh, that since Omnipoyo and Mikler started their beer bars, that's why when people actually got opened their eyes a bit to Japanese beer as well? Yes. Because yes. uh, the influences go back and forth. Yeah, so it's yeah. like it's not just Swedish beer making a splash in Japan. It's also trickling back and yeah. people mm. trying Japanese beers. Yeah, definitely. And then also like... The Japanese brewers, they're starting to get interested in, in foreign ju- brews. And mm. they, they're, they're really like me, you know, they w- when I met them the first time, they, they didn't understood the impact they could do in the Western world, you know. And now they're actually quite open to send their beers overseas or send mm. them over to Europe and the US. So uh, one of the sisters told me like, that they really wanted to make a, have a presence in yes. Europe and mainly in Sweden because yeah. and that's probably because of you <laughs> 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 any any collabs with any Japanese breweries on the horizon yeah uh, we're doing a collab with Uchu uh, brewing and then I actually I'm I'm I started to talk to Mino uh, about making one but I will uh, I will be in Osaka for only two days so we'll mm-hmm. see hopefully we can make something with them 
any American brewers? You got Equilibrium uh, collab with Equilibrium uh, other half. Other half. Yeah. Sorry, other half. Uh, I just mm. made one. Uh, made a collab with Monkish from California. Oh, cool. Yeah. yeah. Uh, with Henry, so we're gonna release it in within a month, I believe. Or that was month the big, biggest cues on Bruce Cavall yeah. on the first day was yeah. on the on the early bird thingy. There was a queue all yeah. over the place from Monkish and other half. Yeah. <laughs> they were th- that was crazy. Yeah, <laughs> yeah we, we 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 knew it was coming, so we we prepared well this time mm. to make sure. First of all, we made sure that they uh, they would last uh, almost as long as everybody else. So that was great. Mm. Yeah. To me, it was good because then I could go next door and try some cool <laughs> stuff that I haven't tried before uh, from different breweries that were standing right next to yeah, them. Yeah, going yeah, like, yeah. Oh, well, when are they coming? So, and <laughs> the thing is, that's normally the thing uh, at most festivals and, and Brewski for sure. Uh, Brewskival, uh, people go to the coolest places first, mm. then they start to explore. Yeah. Mm. Uh, and uh, I think you had some really interesting breweries. Yeah at Bruskeville uh, the summer. Mm-hmm. What was the name of the Slovenian brewery with the Mexican guy? Ah, uh, the Garden Brewery from yeah. Croatia. Croatia, yeah. 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 That was fantastic. Beautiful stuff. beers. Yeah. Amazing yeah. beers. They're, they're great. And uh, also the the meads from Bee Nectar. And, uh, ah, beautiful mm-hmm. as always. And you got Alvin in as well. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah, they're good. That's really cool. Really yeah. good, really yeah. good. Should I ask the... Yeah, yeah, let's. Uh, you've heard the question before, I think, but this is the only tough question we're ever going to ask you, or uh, yeah. in this podcast, anyhow. So, Rasmus, take it away. You're about to die right now, but you can have one more beer, wherever you want. What are you having? I would say, um, actually, an IPA. I'm not a big IPA drinker, but the last beer, and I was taken with storm. I was blown away with this beer. Uh, Dan Burke, he, t- he, he brought it to me because I have, I've been on him for months to get me this beer. But he, he, he it's super difficult to get. Mm. And it's a brewery in New Jersey called Troon Brewery. And it's one of, uh, uh, one of their um, IPAs, or all of their IPA, IPAs are amazing. So I would say a double IPA from Troon Brewery in uh, New Jersey. I don't know the names of their <laughs> beers, but <laughs> you, you, it you could be any, it on, any from Troon Brewery yeah, yeah. because it's amazing. At the same time, if I had two, I would say their collab with uh, <laughs> Omnipoyo. They mm. had uh, their uh, release at uh, Bruce Wall. I don't remember the name of three something. It was amazing too. <laughs> All right, so yeah. Marcus, Perfect. thank you very much thank for very being much. a part of the podcast. And uh, now you. Bill wants you to go back and mingle. Yeah, yeah. David just came and thank you for getting back here. <laughs> thank you very much, and, and cheers again. Cheers. cheers. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Beer Bubbles. I'm sitting here with David from Brill. Uh, one of the main importers of uh, and distributors of beer here in Stockholm and in Sweden. Welcome to Beer Bubbles. Thank you. It's good to be here. Uh, and you brought uh, Brewski here. You just started working with Brewski. Yes, so we started working with Brewski less than a year ago. It's been on our radar for quite a while. And we've been talking back and forth. They tried a, a few things out, but I think we finally came to the conclusion that this is a perfect fit 
mm, for both of us. And Mar Marcus is just such a great guy to deal with as well. So yes, mm. and he is also one of the, for me, one of the, the the legends of craft beer in Sweden. One of the forerunners. Maybe not like Nina Samen and, and, and Narki, but but almost like in the that second generation of. Yeah, and, and he also, also runs one of the best beer festivals in the world. I would, yes, I completely <laughs> agree. Definitely the best uh, beer festival in, in, in Europe. What other brands are you working with? What's your main focus when it comes to... Well, we, we, of course, we try to focus on all of our brands, but the biggest ones in Sweden are, of course, uh, Toal from Denmark. We have Leerbyg from Norway. We have uh, uh, Douglas from uh, Gothenburg that we worked with for a really long time. And quite recently, we've taken on the Apex, which if you from, drink from New, New England yeah. IPAs, <laughs> you're very familiar with. We have Ten Hands from also from Sweden, also very talented brewers. And quite recently, First Via Czech from Berlin. Oh yeah, I did, did an interview uh, about six yes. months back. Yeah, yeah. So there, uh, there's there's so many. Um, how how many brands do you represent? So it's always been around forty to fifty brands. Every year you, you, you lose some and then you, you win some. So you, you were, were kind of the first one since Sweden to work with Mikler as well. Yes, that's, that's correct. But they're now going on their own. Yes. So it was... Uh, I, I will always love Mikler. We worked for, for many years. Uh, they've grown to, uh, to a size now that where it kind of seemed natural for both them and us to, to go separate ways where they focus on fewer products and bigger volumes whereas we kind of like to work with we're a bit stupid in this business everyone else prefers to work with fewer products because there's a lot of work but we are still the idiots who bring in one keg of each and <laughs> we'll do a mixed palette of 24 <laughs> different kegs and it's the same work as bringing in 10 pallets of the same keg but it's not only the uh, niche products you you work with Eyinger as well yes. one of the biggest or sorry not biggest but one of the most traditional german breweries yes for me, it's, it's, it's funny because I know they are very big, but I've always considered Eyinger to be a, a craft beer microbrewery, even if the volumes are big, because the, the focus for quality has always been there. And I think it's if you're into ratings and stuff like that, they've always ranked among the, the highest in the styles that they make. Bayerisch Pils is, is by far my favorite Pilsner. <laughs> Tell us a bit about Brill, about the company. So Brill started... It was started by Pierre Brill uh, in the late 80s or 90s uh, as a wine importer for, for, for Turkish wine. And the, with that, after a while, came Turkish beer with Ephes. And moving on a few years, um, the, they, they hired Mike Schutemann and Jonas Svensson, who are, uh, the, was the, the, the market director and the sales director, which... They were kind of thinking of ways to move into the wine market, but they realized there are so many wine distributors already in Sweden that it's going to be hard to make an impact. And then they said, well, there's not that many people or many companies that are working with craft beer. So they started looking around and said, hey, how about we try to, maybe we try to uh, get the best brewery in every country and see what we can do with that. And Mikler, of course, was one of the first ones they had a meeting with and kind of moved on from there. And your background? How did you end up in this? So I've been working with craft beer for at least ten years, maybe it's fifteen years. Time is moving so fast <laughs> now. But uh, I, I, like like most of us who started in the in the early days, it was pure interest. And uh, I've traveled a lot to the U.S. I pretty early on visited Russian River, which is still one of my favorite breweries. 
and just uh, a love of craft beer. I started working in a, a beer bar in Hornstone in Stockholm. After a while, I was lucky enough to, to get to manage the beer sortiment there. And I think at the time we, we had somewhere around 150 d- different varieties. And we ended up buying most of the beer from Brill. And one beer festival, they just asked, could you jump in and, <laughs> and help us and stayed since then? Uh, that's cool. Uh, uh, we said before that you're not, no stranger to a microphone. You, you've, uh, you've got a background with a microphone in your hand as well. Well, yeah, I've, I've done like like most kids from the from the nineties. It was either sports or or punk rock. So, <laughs> I've done my fair share of uh, DIY touring through Europe and sleeping in horrible <laughs> cellars and <laughs> getting paid in home homemade wine and <laughs> other monstrosities. <laughs> uh, what do you think of the beer scene in Sweden right now? Because uh, I started out about twenty five, twenty six years ago working with beer properly and what kind of development have you seen and and especially the last years has been really special i'm very proud of the swedish beer scene i think it's fantastic the the development we had for for a long while i think sweden was one of the leading countries in in europe maybe not always for producing but for as a modern craft consumers we were for many of our breweries we were the number one market for many many years before Scenes like uh, the UK caught on. There are a lot of more breweries now. I think when I started, there were about 40 craft breweries in, in Sweden. Last number I heard is that we're in the excess of 500 or something like just, that. Just below 500 now. There's a few who's yeah. disappeared during the pandemic, but, uh, but just below 500, I think. I think the, the, the main difference now compared to then is just the, the overall quality is so much better. Back in the days, we were happy if it was craft brew. We, we, there were so much... we you could get away with 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 maybe not always good tasting beer if it doesn't taste good more hops yeah 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 <laughs> but no i think the overall quality is so good so uh, and i also will be bringing new products it's not always anymore about the product itself because there's so many brewers that can make a good beer the ones that can that have a chance to make it now i think are the ones who who can package the whole product they have a good story you can tell they have a passion about what they are doing and the and also a bit of a business mind yes i always said you can make the best beer in the world but if no one knows it you're not going to sell it i would probably say to to most home brewers that are really good at making beer if that is your hobby stick with that (laughs) if you want to invest everything you have into to opening a brewery right now you you should have a really good plan for it (laughs) i spoke to richard at beer bluetech once i did i did a podcast uh, about going from home brewer to starting a brewery and I asked Richard from Beer Blue Tech any advice and he said don't (laughs) (laughs) there's something but then again of course I mean I I hope there's going to be a a good uh, influx of new and exciting breweries but I think you have to have a really good idea you have to make sure that whatever you do try to make the best version of that that is possible and maybe you don't have to be the biggest brewery in the world maybe you can cater to your small community or maybe Sweden is enough for market but I've always liked the philosophy of Russian River where they've always said that their goal has always been to, to grow organically the local market for a long while they refused to sell their beer anywhere outside of, of Northern California and they've kind of grown into to a market that, that fits them. Yeah and they, and they got some iconic beers that people actually travel to get yes. 
people queue outside for for uh, the younger every year. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, st- I still consider Blind Pig is my favorite IPA. Oh yeah. People talk about Pliny, yeah. Pliny the Elder, uh, and which it's, which a, it's a, a fantastic, fantastic beer. beer. Yes, of course. Bl- uh, when I was in San Diego, I got fresh Blind Pig at the Coronado Bar, yeah. uh, and I think it was three days old or something. And I just stuck to that all night Stand. because classic, why try something else? Classic West Coast style. <laughs> classic Southern West Coast yeah. style. Because uh, now I want to talk about this a bit. Uh, loads of brewers, because the haze craze in Sweden is it's slowing down a little bit. It's it's not going like a freight train anymore. It's it's still selling like crazy, but people are actually going back to drinking old style. American IPAs again. But there's two different styles of West Coast. We're talking about the piney ones from Colorado, Oregon, and we're talking about the citrusy ones from California, maybe. Yes. Uh, and to <coughs> me, those piney ones has always been more East Coast. Yeah. Uh, it, that's how it used to be. Yeah. So it's kind of weird. East, East Coast, Coast now is, Yeah. East Coast now. For me, East Coast used to be everything east of uh, Washington. So for me, <laughs> like even the Colorado Bears used to be East Coast. Yeah, back in the days, but I guess now East Coast, you 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 kind of think of all the hazy stuff from New yeah, England. New England, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, we we had a chat uh, with Marcus from Brewski today uh, about that. No one has still not really nailed that kind of classic California West Coast IPA. The I'm thinking like maybe Ale Smith or, or Green Flash or Alpine or Ballast Point or absolutely, Old Stone absolutely. IPA and. So I'm looking forward to trying the first Swedish West Coast IPA that, that really nails that. Yeah, so do I, actually, because that, that is my style. David, uh, I know you're working today. Yep. Uh, You've got to get back to your customers. Yes. Uh, You've got to make some business out here as well. Uh, but I've got one question for you, and that is probably the toughest question for anyone in the beer business. So the only tough question in the podcast today is going to be, you are going to die today, but you can have one more beer. Uh, Which I, one would it I be? I think I just said it. Uh, it's going to be Blind Pig. It is. It all is. the time. <laughs> yes. David, thank you very much for participating in the podcast and uh, have a great day out here. Thank you for having me. It's been Cheers. a pleasure. Cheers. Thank you. <laughs>
I was Shanghai'd into a crew that did beer twos, and after that it evolved silently and slowly into a very t- tiny beer bar that grew suddenly to be Stigberg's foot. So I was been into figuring out, listening, and now we have tons of taps. We can do a lot of changes, and this is my laboratory that I do with most people that come here, explore what is the present and what is the past. Uh, what else? This place, what is it? This is a beer bar for Stigberg's Brewery, and we try to explore what is really experimental beers, Uh, not so much in traditional sense. So we try to shine when it comes to hazy New England sour taps. We've got five and have interesting stuff on it, but we don't really have amber style or brown ale or saisons most of the time. But you've got some great lagers. Yeah, great <laughs> lagers we should have. So I, I think just to the point, we all beer bars do things differently. And if you want to see a shine, you talk about hops or about fruit. Uh, lagers is coming up also. Uh, but I had to make a choice. We only got 30 taps. Only. Yeah. <laughs> For most of the lines, you have the shortest taps in Sweden, I think. Yeah, about half of them is super short, so we can do change without thinking about it. And that was how we built it that ended up being unpractical, but fucking really worth it. It, it's okay to swear. You can say. Yeah, okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So we got about. It's fucking yeah, good. It's fucking good. You got twenty centiliters in the tap. We can clean it. You can change it when we do tap takeovers. It's easy, and you can really feel the product. So we tried to build it as best knowledge was there, and uh, it's in the way. But beer technology should always take place over being cool, and so easy accessible food. Yeah, burgers, yeah, burgers, sandwiches. We, yeah, and we've gone an extra mile, I think, sort of with working with a crew that really loves beer, food like I like beer, and dry-aged meats, and own baker that makes the bread. So we got a vibe for the food also. And the spirits as well. You, yeah. you go, you're one of the few places in Stockholm that's got Unicum yeah. on, on the shelf, yeah. which is one of my favorite bitters. Yeah. <laughs> and also, if, if you ever come over here, you should try our Maracino Cherry Spirits, which is also mind-boggling but uh, amusing as fuck. And ciders. Yeah. It's like, uh, th- if you go to Stockholm, do try try out Stigberg's Food. It's a yeah. great place. And if you're lucky, you one's going to be here to nag you. Yeah, it's like I say in the bar at Akrat, people come for the beer, they stay for the abuse. Yeah. <laughs> this day, what, do you do this often? Like, uh, with, it's kind of a sortiment tasting yeah. for branch people, but also tap takeover thingy? Yeah. Uh, we do tap takeovers usually sort of like every six weeks, so it makes sense because there's quite a lot of work in it. And uh, this is the things I would like to do more because now I can spy on people drinking Brewski and Marcus whole range. And it's not me that's important. It's my ability to listen to other people who bring the analytics and the taste joys. And so in these times, we should do it more. But this is actually the first time we do a, a thing where we meet people from the bar restaurant business. But it's super cool to see their points of view asking them after they drank a beer that if you run into me that's how i do it i don't ask you after your first sip i try to ask you ask you after the last sip then 
probably you're going to have uh, your opinions all settled. Yeah, and it's also that like, the first sip you get is not uh, really a, a good statement because then you just sip the beer. Yeah. When you've had a beer, that's when you go, mm, I'll have another one or I'll go, you'll go, oh, that's enough. Yeah. Uh, I've had a taster of that. That's yeah. enough for me. And I think we borrowed too many stuff from the wine uh, crowd. Sort of the heavy sniffing of the glass. They're saying yes to having more, which is not about judgment. They're just saying that this wine is, suits me. And I think we should strive for our own way in beer. That's not connected so heavily with aromatics. It's also about the taste, the whole palate, and the aftertastes that we do. So we are a different way of drinking than wine. We have borrowed it religiously sometimes, and that's we're trying to do less of. Yeah, it's, uh, like I always say, wine you can actually taste and spit, but since beer contains uh, carbon dioxide or actually bubbles, when you swallow it, you get a reflux, you get more aromas up your nose, so it gives the entire beer. So if you don't swallow your beer, you spit it out, you don't get the entire beer. No, you don't. The only thing you get if it's a bad quality of it or not, if it's not uh, the taps are not clean enough. So yeah, I hundred percent agree that so that we need to find our own way, which is not a memory of what wine is, and also find our own vocabulary when it comes to describing beers. Yeah, because uh, loads of people, and I'm not I'm not trying to be judgmental here, but loads of people use wine language when they talk about flavors in beer and uh, that can be can be a bit off because uh, beer people don't loads of beer people are not wine connoisseurs so they don't have that language yeah so we really need to develop our own yeah and stand on it and just the point of a wine is more of a puzzle to figure out where it's from and the districts and i try to be very forgetful about geography or streets or the hops, instead of let's talking about how the whole construct comes together, and finally, sort of, do you like it a lot or not? Sometimes, when you know you and me hang out, we take a beer when we we try to find a beer that we don't like because it's a huge learning from that one, and sort of like, yeah, that was horrible, but I can see that somebody would love it or or not. And finding that language, listening to people, untapped is part of it, but just sort of like seeing. When some a g- group of guys or girls come together after opinions, or this was, I felt the dragon fruit. I don't know what it is, but this seems like it. So explore more, uh, more chaos, and our flavors are getting stronger. And I think that's why part of the beer future is that sort of, if you get presented with a text that says raspberry, you don't feel insecure when you drink it. You feel secure. Yeah, that's fucking raspberry. Like my grandma made it. That's part of the future. You want? I'm going to let you get back to the bar. I know you're working today, and I, I'm really uh, appreciating that you took your time all out to come and speak to us. I've got to ask you the final question, the hard one. Uh, you're dying today. You're actually dying now. But you can have one more beer, whatever in the world, you, but you can only have one. Which one would that be? Which one will it be? That's sort of the last days of days before the apocalypse. Ooh. I think it, I would go to something that 
something in the New England hazy style, a triple IPA with huge strengths and the aromatics that makes your nostrils flare and think, have they gone too far? Because then I will be gone tomorrow, but I know this beer will have a future. Thank you very much, Yuan, and uh, have a great day. <laughs> Same to you. Cheers, man. Cheers.